What does your diverse workforce look like? Do you have the people in place to grow into these roles? Mm -hmm. Are you mentoring diverse populations right. in order to get that succession planning? Right. We say it all the time, you know, that your base might be incredibly diverse, but as we go up in leadership, it stops it's looking like that. So I think it's really commit to hiring minorities and commit to hiring people who are a great culture fit for your organization and be authentic with your outreach. Don't just check a box off, mm -hmm. understand the community you serve, understand their problems and understand how your company can fit in and work to alleviate these problems. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. We'd also like to thank TechCXO for its sponsorship of this podcast. Get proven hands-on C-suite executives to take on an interim role and provide fractional help in lead projects. TechCXO on-demand executive model consistently delivers time and cost savings of 50 to 75% compared to a full-time in-house function. They have helped their clients secure over $4 billion in debt and equity financing and have advised clients on over 200 transactions, including due diligence preparation, and financing alternatives. To learn more, please visit their website at techcxo.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Sophia Borg. Sophia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Chloe. It is such an honor to be featured and I'm excited for our conversation. Yes, 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 yes. And it's great that you and Adam are colleagues. Yep. You guys are super familiar with each other. But for, <laughs> yes. but, but for our listeners, why don't you tell us yeah. a little bit about who you are and what you do at Truist? Well, my name is Sophia Bork, and I work at Truist, the old former SunTrust, now Truist right. Bank. Yes. Yeah, we got to remember that. Yes. And I work in the Treasury Solutions Department as an engagement readiness consultant, which what that means is I am tasked with writing our client-facing collateral as well as our internal-facing collateral as it pertains to anything within the treasury solutions realm. So think about your digital products, mm -hmm. uh, things of that nature. And that's really what I do. I also work with our business resource group, our Latinx affinity group called hope. And I sit as our regional co-chair for the North Georgia region. And I serve on the enterprise. So our big regional level as a co-chair as well. And also, Sophie, uh, tell us a little bit about what you've done in the community, too. So you do a lot oh, okay. with the bank, right? But you do a lot out in the community, the Latina community. Like to give our listeners a little bit of that, too, please. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when I'm not when I am not working <laughs> at the bank, uh, you can find me playing in the garden at the Sarah J. Gonzalez Park. I helped launch an ethnobotanical garden at the Sarah J. Gonzalez Park, which is the first park in the entire state of Georgia to be named after somebody of Latinx descent. I, I also, that. it's 
really, really beautiful. And ethnobotanical means that all of the plants in this garden are oh. from Latin America. We've got a great partnership with UGA's Latin American Garden, and we source our Fascinating. plants from them. Yeah, it's it's really wonderful. Aside from that, I'm very um, connected with the Sergio Gonzalez Park as mm. their volunteer community engagement director, which basically means that anytime that the community is using the park to get together, I'm there helping coordinate or I'm aware of it and I help spread awareness. We've currently been using the park as a food distribution center for the surrounding Latinx community that has been heavily impacted by the COVID-19 mm. pandemic. And so mm. the mayor's office of immigrant affairs, they're running a great, great food distribution on a biweekly basis. And I also serve on several boards within the Latinx community. I'm on the Georgia Hispanic chamber of commerce board of directors. I'm involved with the Georgia Latino law foundation on their advisory board. And I also do work within the Jewish community as well, mm -hmm. doing advocacy, basically sitting on the American Jewish Committee's Young Professional Board called uh -huh. Access. I'm involved with the Atlanta chapter and I sit as the vice chair of inter-ethnic affairs. I myself am not Jewish, I'm Latina and a practicing Catholic, but I work with them on really an allyship Yes. Right. So then that's, that's just as important, you know, Absolutely. that's how we bridge these intercultural competencies that Correct. I think, you know, we just don't do very well um, unless we're intentional in getting Absolutely. involved. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so that's what I do. I also sit on the board of Park Pride, which is the entity that helps run all the city of mm -hmm. Atlanta parks as well. So really when you, when I think of the engagement that I do within the city, I would yeah. say it fits in three buckets of urban agriculture, yeah. nature, equity, and access, Jewish advocacy, and uh, diversity and inclusion when it comes to the Latinx community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love so, that. So I'm going to keep going here because Sophia and I always have fantastic conversations together. <laughs> we do. So, so <laughs> And we'll get into the meat of this in a minute, I promise everybody. But Sophia is also an avid, avid opera enthusiast and Ooh. foodie. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Impressive. Impressive. What's your favorite food? Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm really into, I'm really getting into um, Middle Eastern cuisine. Mm -hmm. My boyfriend is Lebanese, so he's really gotten me excited about That's cool. that. And I, what I like about the food is it's healthy and the flavors. I think their yeah. culture does a great job of so good. pairing flavors mm -hmm. well together, but in a way that doesn't have a lot of fat. It's not heavy on your stomach. It, it's wonderful. It is wonderful because there are some some foods that you know you're, it's just your palate has to get used to yep. but yeah with lebanese i mean it's just oh it's it's amazing, it's amazing. it is amazing. Mm -hmm. amazing i will say that true to my southern roots though i i make a mean mac and cheese there that you I go. <laughs> well i'm gonna have to taste that Perfect. i am a a huge mac and cheese fan there we go oh, as okay. am i <laughs> So talk to me a little bit about your work um, within the bank when you talk about community engagement and the type of collateral that you sort of um, 
put together in order to message and connect with these diverse groups? So when we talk about community engagement um, within, within the bank, as the co-chair for the North Georgia region of our HOPE BRG, and mm-hmm. what HOPE stands for is uh, Hispanic Organization mm-hmm. Promoting Engagement. Mm-hmm. And so BRG groups, or business resource groups, they're right. also known as employee resource groups. Right. And it basically develops a way for people to connect with the bank pertaining to the affinity that they choose. You don't have to be Latinx to join. Right a resource group or just if you don't have to be a veteran, you can be an ally. So I think it's a good way of promoting allyship and engagement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I mean, honestly, the bank has been so wonderful. I think with this year, we truest just celebrated. We just celebrated our one year anniversary on the seven. One year already? One year already. Oh, wow. I I can't believe that. Wow. I can't either. But I think that's something that's so important is you know, I feel like Truist, honest to goodness, really cares about the community. Uh, you can read our corporate social responsibility mm-hmm. report, but something that was really helpful, and I think a way that Truist works well with branching out to the community is this past summer, in the height of the pandemic, Truist actually sent gift cards to all the employees saying, yep. hey, if you, it was part of our, and Adam, keep me honest on this. It was part of our um, planting seeds of hope campaign. Mm -hmm. And what I was able to do with that, I actually just used our seeds of hope, that little gift card Mm -hmm. to buy clothing for the Latinx community that lives in and around the Sarah J. Gonzalez park. And we just had a clothing distribution yesterday where we were able to distribute clothing to over a hundred families right in time for the holidays. And so to me, that's something really powerful, right? Absolutely. It's it's a bank caring about the community that it serves because when we think of, you know, when we think of how corporations work with the community, they have so much power and it's how do you use that power to help uplift the communities Mm -hmm. that you serve. Yes, absolutely. And be a force for good. Right. Mm-hmm. So Adam, did you and Sophia, did y'all get a chance to work together in supplier diversity at all and really kind of expanding the the Latinx um, sort of supplier base? Did you guys get a chance to, especially with her being, you know, part of right. the Hispanic you chamber? Know, and uh, I'll have Sophia keep me honest on this one, but it was kind of a, a, a happy happenstance that we met. Uh, we yep. have a mutual friend, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa Malrado, who yeah. introduced the two of us, and she was actually working for the GMSDC at the time. And we got introduced at a GMSDC event. It's like, oh, we both work for the bank. And it's really kind of our friendship has grown from there. And we've worked on and off on, on a few different projects. I was actually, the way we were connected, I... I also do public speaking as well in the community. Veronica is one of my mentors in the Latinx community. Mm -hmm. And she gave me the opportunity to emcee on my birthday. I believe it was maybe last year. I think it was two years ago. Two two years years ago. ago. No, it was two years ago. Back in 2018. And I emceed this event where Adam was there. Truist was, well, it was formerly SunTrust. It was SunTrust at that point. It was SunTrust at that point. I know we have to be careful. (laughs) (laughs) It was SunTrust was a sponsor at this 
event and we connected and we've been friends ever, ever since, since then. Yep. And I think Adam, it's really great working with somebody like Adam because Adam and I are able to work together while yep. not in a official capacity because right. our loans of business, you know, in an official capacity, no. However, we get lunch together and we'll talk yep. about the community engagement, yep. what that looks like. And I think it's a really good way of mentorship too. That's Absolutely. part of the culture at Truist mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. mentorship. So Adam, I'm thrilled to say is one of my mentors and we get lunch together once a month. We do. And he's, we're able to talk a little bit about yeah. what we're interested in and our love for the community and yes. what that looks like. And also our conversations, the way they have changed and pivoted mm -hmm. and right? matured yes. given everything that's been going on in the community, especially yeah. this year with social justice, racial justice, yeah. talking about, you know, what does that look like right. now? Yeah. Yep. You know, and I, I love that you guys wouldn't normally work together, but mm -hmm. when we, when we have, no. you know, all of our listeners are, you know, either larger corporations or small, small to medium sized businesses. But one of the things that I'm hearing that I hope resonates with our other enterprise listeners is, you know, you have to take this initiative to right. reach across, you know, some of the various practice units within your organization to find synergies. It may not always be something from the top down, but in order to really, really do the work, you have to have sort of these inter conversations within the organization to really fi yep. figure out how do we show up in these various spaces um, within our roles mm -hmm. and how do we make an impact? So, I mean, I just applaud the two of you for taking that initiative to, to really continue on and, and figure out how you can include each other in the things that you're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it also speaks to Chloe, some of the things we talked about is you've got to be willing to get down in it too, right? Yes. I mean, Sophie yes. and I met because the front lines were out trying to engage the communities. We're out trying to, you know, build these relationships. And you've you've got to understand to make that difference, to, to change the conversation, move the needle, however we want to say it. You've got to be willing to put yourself out there and really connect, learn, and grow. And I think that's what Sophie and I have experienced together is that we've we've both grown. I know I've grown. I've learned so much about her background and the yeah. perspective from the Latin and Latinx community that's kind of like helped enlighten me expand my vision too. So you've got to be willing to embrace that and, and want to embrace it. Right, yeah. right, right, right. I think the best advice I ever received from a mentor was choose mentors who are all different and choose people who don't look like you, don't right. have your same experiences and don't work in the same areas. I don't right. do anything with supplier diversity. Yeah. However, my interest, my vested interest in the community and my role as a leader in my community right. Right. provide that natural tie-in where Adam and I, even though if you looked at us on paper, our lines of business really don't, they don't we could really be, We could be they, further apart on an org chart if we tried. Yeah, we really could. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But I think the beauty is we transcend that, right? Because right. we have this passion for the community and that's what brought us together. And yep. I think it's also Adam and I both care. We mm -hmm. love the community. We enjoy our friendship. We enjoy yeah. talking to each other. Yep. And I think that's important, right? Follow up with people who are your mentors, but also keep those people close to you who choose to invest in you, right? right? right. Because when we talk right. about mentorship, it's reciprocal. It's it not just me getting information from Adam or asking him advice. Adam will also talk to me and treat me as an equal. 
And mm -hmm. I think that mutual respect and trust is the foundation for those solid mentor relationships and friendship as well. Yeah, right. totally. You um, mentioned earlier that you're involved with the um, Hispanic Chamber. What have you seen them do this year that has been, you know, to kind of support some of the small businesses that are members in, in the mm -hmm. event and in the light of COVID? I know a lot of small businesses have really been struggling this year. Absolutely. Yes. So as a member of the board of the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, mm -hmm. I know that we've done a lot. I mean, when you talk about completely pivoting mm -hmm. and engaging our businesses, we have a small business COVID relief fund, which mm -hmm. you can donate to yeah. uh, just check out the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. I'm going to make a plug for that, but they're really doing <laughs> a lot of great work with Good. getting to those small businesses. Because when we look at the basis of, okay, who is opening small businesses? It's a lot of women mm -hmm. and it's a lot of, it's a lot of minority women Absolutely. as well. And just minorities in general. In general. Mm -hmm. And that's their lifeblood. That's, that's their dream, right. right? That is how they pay for their kids to have the life that they never did. So when we think of our small business community, our entrepreneurs, we really need to work to advocate for them. And so the Georgia Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, they've done a lot of great initiatives to make sure that they're reaching out to the community, uh, creating positive impact and also addressing the needs of that community. Yeah, absolutely. So just for our listeners, if some of our small businesses that are not in Georgia and all over the United States, um, the Hispanic Chamber has a presence in almost every state. Is that accurate? I just want to, you know, as a point of reference, just in case um, any of them want to look it up who are not in Georgia. I, I, mm -hmm. I okay. Yeah, you could definitely, you could definitely look up the, his, um, the United States Hispanic, Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and that would be a great resource. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, good, 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 good. We'd like to thank the University of Georgia Supply Chain Advisory Board for sponsoring Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. In addition to ensuring the UGA supply chain curriculum meets employers' needs, the board also connects employers with highly qualified students. Join corporate board members like Johnson & Johnson, Home Depot, and the Chick-fil-A to discover and hire tomorrow's supply chain innovators today. To learn more, go to www.terry.uga.edu, click on Alumni, and find the Supply Chain Advisory Board there. You know, one of the things that Sophie and I were talking about most recently is um, the whole concept of the the hidden minority. And I thought that it was a fantastic conversation. And you want to talk about a time when I walked away from our relationship feeling uh, just having learned, right? Having had my eyes open to a, a whole other uh, viewpoint uh, that I wasn't even aware of. It was fantastic. So, um you know, Sophie, we would love for you to talk uh, to our audience a little bit about, you know, uh, your background, uh, your family background, uh, and this just some of the some of the things that you have noticed, observed in that, um, and, and kind of help us as as an audience understand uh, what it's like as part of the the hidden minority group Absolutely. and that perspective. And what I always like to call it. So the term I always just use is non visible. 
minority visible. and a non yes. a non visible yes. minority and just for the sake of our audience to define that a non visible minority is somebody who you look at them and you wouldn't think that they belong to a minority group mm -hmm. i'm latina my mom is an immigrant from colombia south america mm -hmm. just a wonderful beautiful person and my dad is born and raised in buffalo new york i think like fourth <laughs> or fifth generation right yeah. right of Polish ancestry, but I mean, you know, he's like fourth or fifth. So very much he's American. American. Right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so for me, I look just like my dad. I can honestly tell you, I have never had someone come up to me and say, oh, you're Latina. No one has ever thought that <laughs> because I don't look, I don't look no. what your common stereotype of what does somebody Latina look like? Conversely, I've also, when I'm out in the community, when I first started, uh, volunteering and getting engaged, I had many people say, oh, but you don't look Latina. Mm. And which is, which is really interesting, right? Because growing up bicultural, I think that's something that is, it's hard, right? Because you don't know where mm. you belong or fit in because you're not completely like American, you know, whatever you think of like stereotypes aligning to what does it mean to behave like an American? So you do have that because I was born mm -hmm. and raised here. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Dahlonega, Georgia, in a small town. And it's a small town. It is a small town. Adam and I went to the same college. We went to school. Yeah, we went to the same college. I mean, years a couple of years, years apart. Yeah, a couple of years. <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah, so Adam's very, Adam's incredibly well-versed with Dahlonega and what that looks like and how the city has changed. Yeah, it's changed um, a lot. It's, yeah, but though very similar to how I'm sure it was, you know, when you were there. But but really, you know, this conversation about, you know, what does it mean to be a non-visible minority? Mm -hmm. The reason I started getting involved with, you know, Latinx outreach and inclusion was because I started noticing that because you wouldn't think that I was Latina, people would sometimes say things around me. Mm. I remember um, being at work once. It wasn't at Truist, it was somewhere else. And she's like, uh, let me just clarify yeah, that really quickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And and we were talking about and I've always been interested in like, okay, well how do we how do we engage our Latinx community? But mm -hmm. do so in an authentic way. And somebody was saying, well, it doesn't matter because it's not a big, you know, we don't have a good business case for it. When mm. And I heard that and I said, why would you say that? And they made some comments that were not that, you know, they weren't accurate. They weren't right. accurate. Mm -hmm. And, and then that was a space for me to lean in and say, well, actually, the Hispanic community is growing exponentially. We are the mm -hmm. fastest growing. And I said, we. So we. I grouped myself in there, right? Yeah. Because the yeah. language we use is important. And, true. So and it's true. true, right? And so I told them, we are the fastest growing demographic under the age of 18 in this country. We need to think strategically of how we engage this new generation. And they didn't know I was Latina because it's yeah. not something that you would think would be you would think when you see me or you hear my name and that's when i started realizing okay there's there's something here and i realized that i could advocate for my community in spaces where people might not say those things and i could help address mm -hmm. certain comments and really show up as an advocate for Absolutely. my community mm -hmm. um 
but I do think it's, I do, I do want to say, I think it's important for, you know, Latinos and people who are Latinx, who are white, right? Like myself, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm Latina, but I'm also white Latina. I'm right. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's important that there is, I get treated differently than mm-hmm. somebody who would be Afro Latina or in, indigenous. It's a mm-hmm. very different, and I get treated frankly better than people who don't look like me. And I realize that. And part of that for me is also saying, okay, how do we address this? And how right. do we get, you know, how do we really create like this holistic view of what it means to be Latin X, right? Mm-hmm. What does mm-hmm. what does that look like? And that's something that I myself am still understanding and learning about mm-hmm. because I think this year really brought it into that perspective of okay, mm-hmm. so what what does somebody like me do? Because you don't want it to because some I remember talking um, we actually had a panel discussion with truest just gosh adam what was it for his it was for hispanic heritage yeah yes it was Mm -hmm. and and i was a panelist for it Mm -hmm. and there were eight there were 800 people on this call Mm -hmm. and this is at work right so this isn't something that i'm doing off time right Mm -hmm. truest name isn't behind me i am you know representing my my bank at a work call and it was for Hispanic Heritage Month, and I saw a lot of the comments. A lot of women were asking, "What, well, what you know, what does it mean for someone who's Afro Latina or like mm-hmm. you know, Black, Brown, mm-hmm. Indigenous?" And mm-hmm. I saw that, and I said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to address this." Mm-hmm. And and it was and it was really beautiful to be able to say, "We need we as a culture, we need to do better." Right. And I'm not afraid to say that because I know that starts with me. That starts with me saying, "You know what." If someone gives me a speaking opportunity or just any opportunity saying, you know what, that's interesting, but I know somebody else who would be wonderful for that and empowering people to stand up and speak their own voice and tell their own story. It's kind of opening the door, but also letting them walk through and saying, you know what, I'm going to, you sit in that seat. I have sat in seats like that already and it's now your, now it's your time and we should always be doing that it's mentoring Mm -hmm. other people Mm -hmm. um and a girl reached out to me and she said thank you for speaking to that and she said you know i'm darker skinned and she said i have always grown up with seeing latinas who look like you i you know green eyes brunette Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, right and she's like, I've always seen women like you in the telenovelas and uh-huh. you're all, women like you are always the protagonist. And she's like, but women who look like me were always the maids. And I said, mm-hmm. well, it's time to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. It's because definitely time yeah, it to is. change that narrative yeah. for sure. And so in short, that's, I think, what it means to be a non-visible minority, right? right. It's, mm-hmm. ad, it's advocacy at its finest, and under, but also understanding where you fit in, right? You don't want the white savior complex. I don't think right. mm-hmm. I, that's not healthy, right? No, so I it's have definitely to be not. careful. Mm-mm. I have to be careful in the way that I engage. And I'm, I'm still learning. I mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. never say that I know everything because I don't. And I think that part of community engagement and civic outreach is really saying I'm here to learn and I'm here Mm -hmm. to be humble and I'm here to serve. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that that's a true sign of leadership, you know, being humble, being open, having an ear Mm -hmm. and and a heart 
for people who, you know, you may have some affinities with, but people that you may not have very many affinities with and finding that bridge to communication and finding, you know, ways that you can collaborate and just improve the circumstances for, for groups at large. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, Sophia, talking to our audience, you know, obviously being a non-visible minority, um, you know, we never want to judge a book by its cover, but sometimes, you know, visual cues do help us in a social context, right? Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. So, and dealing with non-visible minorities and being sensitive to that and not making a general assumption when walking into a room, how would you have us maybe change the way we address, to change the way that we speak or assume or draw our conclusions. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that as, as we move forward and we're all trying to do better in the conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I think that I think that's a great question, right? Because a lot of people I know are saying, okay, I have, I've been hearing all about this, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm intimidated now because I don't want to offend someone and I mm-hmm. want to be kind, but I'm also, you know, how does that look? What I would say is don't make assumptions. Mm -hmm. Don't walk into a room and think that just because someone looks a certain way, they are going to have all of these stereotypes because there's a lot of, I'll give you a great example. Um, I actually have a mentor at the bank who told me, and she's Latina, and she was telling me, she said, I hate when people assume that I want to speak Spanish to them. She said, Mm. I don't. I don't want to speak Spanish to people all the time. And 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 I thought that was really powerful because to Mm -hmm. me, language serves to, it serves as a connection mechanism. However, depending on your experience, you may have grown up, I think my parents' generation, you wanted to become Mm -hmm. Americanized so badly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that because you saw the way you were treated if you Mm -hmm. weren't, you know, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. what it meant to be American. So I think we also need to understand Mm -hmm. the there's generational trauma too that we cannot account yeah, for that you true. can't assume. So I think within that context, be compassionate, have a listening ear, and also don't be afraid to say, I don't know. And do your research. Right. I think, you know, really educate yourself on, you know, what does what does the Latinx experience look like in this country? What does the black the black, brown, indigenous experience, Mm -hmm. the Asian American experience look like. Because, you know, I think it's important to have those diverse friendships too. Now, those people are not to serve as your personal coach by any means because we (laughs) don't want to re-traumatize people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not their job to tell us how to behave. Rather, I think it's important to to show people that you're an ally Mm -hmm. and that you care and to listen. I think that's the biggest thing to listen, be humble and not be afraid to say, I don't know, because Mm -hmm. I think most people are compassionate and they'll be willing to, if you ask a question, they'll be willing to answer it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I have seen in this space that uh, across cultural contexts, if you just ask the question, I don't know, I don't understand, please explain it to me. People are more than willing to share their background with you, and they want to explain it to you as long as, I mean, if you're coming to it because you truly want to learn and understand, it's amazing what you can learn and the connection you can make with somebody just by saying, I don't understand this. Please explain it to me because I want to know more. I want to broaden my horizon. Yes, 100%. And I think, Adam, what you're talking about is authenticity. Yes, yes, it has to be authentic. Yes. I think, yeah. And that's something I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. I I recently started getting involved with the American Jewish 
committee, AJC, they've got their global organization and, and they, and they work really with, you know, Jewish advocacy, um, you know, combating anti-Semitism. So I'm involved with the young professional group access, the Atlanta chapter. I am not Jewish. I did not grow up with a great knowledge of the mm-hmm. Jewish culture. And so I, so part of my experience in being an advocate and an ally and also now a leader in the community <laughs> is constant education. And I, I cannot, I really cannot thank my Jewish friends enough for taking time to have those compassionate conversations with me and answering the myriad of questions that I have for them because I, but I think that's how you, you develop that, that friendship because allyship comes because you care about a community. It comes from the root. It's empathetic, right? Right. You feel, even though you may not have experienced what that community has gone through, unless you are part of that community, you understand. I think as humans, we understand pain. We know what it's like to be left out. We know what it's like to be misunderstood because those are universal experiences that Mm -hmm. are part of being human. So empathy and allyship, the way those work together is understanding why something is important to people. Very similar to what Adam just said. I don't understand, but I want to please help me understand. Mm -hmm. It's coming to that. And it's willing to be wrong too. It's willing to say, I think it's this, but please correct me. Being humble. I think honestly, if you're, if you can be humble and say, I don't know that I don't Mm -hmm. know the answer. People respond. I have seen people respond well to that. Mm -hmm. So Sophie, when, so for our listeners and companies who are trying to figure out, you know, how do we tackle some of these very courageous, Mm -hmm. you know, efforts, you know, what would be your recommendation to them? Like if they historically haven't had very much outreach to any of these diverse communities and it's great on an individual basis, but you know, if you could just, you know, um, you know, these companies who are trying to expand, trying to build out supplier diversity programs and just trying to bridge to these various communities, what would, what would your recommendation be? Yeah. What I would say is, you know, develop a team that specializes in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're, if it's a big corporation, they probably should have some type of community engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, really understand that and, and hire people who are already doing that work. work. I, I think one of the biggest errors I see companies, you know, they'll have their mind in the right spot, but then they hire people who, have no knowledge about this yes. community and don't really care. And I think you can find a lot of great, you know, a lot of great people in these minority communities mm-hmm. who have a history of working with that community. They have those relationships built. They have that trust, but it is up to corporations to hire those people. Yeah. Right. So I think we need to talk again. It goes back to almost an HR. What does your diverse workforce look like? Do you have the people in place to grow into these roles? Mm-hmm. Are you mentoring diverse populations right. in order to get that succession planning? Right. We see it all the time, you know, that your base might be incredibly diverse, but as we go up in leadership, it stops it's... looking like that. 
So I think it's really commit to hiring minorities and commit to hiring people who are a great culture fit for your organization and be authentic with your outreach. Don't just check a box off, Mm -hmm. understand the community you serve, understand their problems and understand how your company can fit in and work to alleviate these problems because every corporation has a different focus. We're, we're a bank, right? We can't solve everything, but we focus on the areas that we can help with. Right. Right. And I think it's understanding mission, purpose, values, and how that aligns with helping that community in that specific way. It's Mm -hmm. right. It's being manager. It's really thinking of, okay, what can we manage? And like I said, again, hiring a diverse workforce, because that's where you get to generate those ideas, Mm -hmm. right? Hey, in my community, this is actually offensive. We shouldn't reach out to them like that. How many times have, I'm sure every listener can think of a social media blunder that some corporation has done because of their lack of minority representation. It's like, who, who's on the marketing team for this company? It's so clear. It's so clear. Sometimes you're just Mm -hmm. like, okay, clearly they did this in a closet somewhere and nobody on their team was diverse or a part of this conversation because Mm -hmm. they would know that this isn't appropriate. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And I think hiring um, is critical, but also thinking and being intentional about secession planning and moving mm-hmm. them up the yeah. leadership ladder as well. And what mm-hmm. I see companies doing is having these tremendous, great efforts. I applaud them, you know, for hiring yeah. in these entry level roles. But then when you get in, there is, there's no one there really advocating to make sure that there's diversity at some of these management and higher levels. And so, and that's where a lot of the decisions are being made. So it's very, very important to take it that step further in making sure that, you know, you have representation. Yep. And it's, it's that intentional mentoring, right? So on, uh, to have, you know, your workforce look diverse, but then what are you doing to make sure that your pipeline of director, VP, C-level mm-hmm. officers is there too? Who are you grooming, right, in that diverse space to help take uh, take the leadership of the company? Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. So we've we've heard so much today, so many good yes. nuggets from you, Sophie. I mean, from I succession planning to advocacy to what being an ally truly means. And you can, you know, not look like a group and still join and, and, and make impact and not only for, for those groups, but also for yourself right. and being courageous and being vulnerable and authentic with your conversations. Yep. Um, I love it. I love it. And I'm hoping that these corporations will take your advice and and yep. share some of this and start implementing them in their organizations if they haven't already. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chloe. It is such an honor to be part of this courageous conversation. Thank you for the work you do. Adam, thank you for looping me into this. My pleasure. A wonderful mentor and just for all the work you do to make thank you. To really make Truist a great place to work. Thank and you. Just thank you so much. Thank you both. And same to you. All that you do in the community to help uh, bridge all of those gaps. Uh, I cannot tell you uh, how honored I am to call you a friend, especially when I'm looking at all the social media posts. I'm like, wow, when does this woman sleep? Um, I cannot <laughs> tell management. you. Thank you. <laughs> it's well, critical, critical when you do this I'm type 100%. of work. 100%. But thank you again for all that you do in the community. Uh, just uh, so, so proud of you uh, when I see you out there. So thank you again. 
Yes. Thank thank you. you. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.